0: Now it's time for Prescription for Healthcare, a -a once-a-month podcast collaboration between WFHB and Medicare for All Indiana. In today's segment, hosts Karen Greenstone and Dr. Rob Stone continue their conversation with Dr. Mark Bauman, a physician at Indiana University Health Bloomington Hospital and professor at IU School of Medicine who specializes in pathology. Prescription for Health Care is available online at WFHB.org, and it's also available wherever you get your podcasts. From Bloomington, Indiana, welcome to Prescription for Health Care on WFHB Community Radio, sponsored by Medicare for All Indiana. I'm Karen Greenstone, along with Dr. Rob Stone. Hello. Today, we're listening to part two of our interview with Dr. Mark Bauman. Dr. Bauman specialized in pathology and practiced community medicine at Bloomington Hospital. He transitioned to full-time teaching nine years ago in the IU School of Medicine on the Bloomington campus. His undergraduate course, Healthcare in America, examines the historical development of the healthcare system in America, compares it to delivery systems in other countries, and asks, If we can envision a healthcare system that meets society's obligations to our fellow neighbors. Okay. We are back
1: with Dr. Mark Bauman, and we were talking at the end of the last segment about the final exam that the students take. The exam is to write a letter to the president, and he shared some of these letters to me from the class this year, which I participated in as a faculty person helping with one of the segments of the class. The students wrote some amazing things in these letters, but I'm going to read just the first paragraph of one of the letters to the president that one of the students wrote. And so, dear Mr. President, in my years living in the USA, I have been genuinely shocked by the state of our healthcare system. I find myself in disbelief that the United States of America a country which is patriotically dubbed the greatest country in the world, has a healthcare system in which health is not a basic right or something people have easy access to, but a privilege only available to the wealthy and fortunate. American politicians should be ashamed that they are leaders of a country in which the citizens that they represent are forced to skip prescription medicines, avoid seeing a doctor, or going to the hospital simply and solely because they cannot afford it. However, rather than making an emotional plea to you in this letter, I will be detailing what I believe are the fundamental issues with our healthcare system and the relevant solutions to them. I hope you will consider these points carefully as their implementation will not only significantly improve the lives of American citizens, but will also assist in accelerating the USA back to its position as a global standard and leader in society and politics." That must have knocked your socks off a little bit to read somebody write something that powerful and eloquent.
2: And that was only the opening paragraph. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that one. It was written, allow the uh, student to remain anonymous, but it was a student whose family immigrated from a Middle Eastern country, maybe eight to 10 years ago. And now that student's parents are of Medicare age. And of course, they're having difficulty as non citizens getting into that system. We did this course on Zoom during the spring semester. And the look on her face when she described the, the difficulties that her parents were having trying to integrate into the system, the US healthcare system. Here, they'd managed to escape literally a war torn country in the Middle East, coming to the beacon of light of the United States only to find great disappointment and how sad she was and disappointed to come and discover the reality of our current situation here. But then she goes on to list maybe two more pages, specific proposals of changes that could be done, proposals that are not pie in the sky, but are politically feasible and, and, and rational with good sustaining underlying arguments. Amazing. Uh, powerful stuff. Wow.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can see the three of us who brought to tears yeah. From that. <laughs> yeah, this is
1: really powerful <laughs> stuff. And it's so obvious. And yeah.
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> so Dr. Bauman, what is your prescription for healthcare? <laughs> <laughs>
2: It would be nice just to be able to type in a script and send it off and solve the problem. Uh, it's, as, as you both well know, a little more complicated than that. I think the underlying theme is that it, changes have to be done incrementally. In, in the course you review, the struggles FDR went through to initiate Social Security, and he tried a national health care system and that failed. Truman tried. He was unsuccessful. Nixon tried, Clinton tried, on down the line. President Obama, at the time, realized it was too heavy a lift to try to completely overhaul the entire system and go directly to a single-payer system, which, as I understand, was his intent. And from uh, my reading of his uh, writings and so forth, he would have preferred a single-payer system, but he had enough political savvy to take the approach of incremental process. So he uh, had to have buy-in from the insurance industry, hospital industry, pharmaceuticals, and physicians. So everyone gathered around the table and there was good back and forth compromise. It was an incremental process of working into the system certain guardrails, such as guaranteed issue of health insurance policies, no lifetime limits on coverage, expanded government access to insurance via Medicaid, So my prescription is a a step at a time, two steps forward, one step back, Uh, maybe a half step forward, two steps back, but with the overall goal of being moving forward to a universal coverage as other countries have done. And my role in all this is not so much as a political activist, but as an educator. That's how I feel I can be most effective to shed some light on these topics. And then Rob, as you said, when these things come to the light of day, I think we can come to a good consensus on how we can establish some sense of solidarity and come to a bit of an agreement how we can best take care of each other.
0: Incrementally, I have just been reading that enrollment in the what's it called the hinges has increased since since the Biden administration has opened up enrollment. So that goes along with your prescription for incremental
2: change. Previous administration, of course, narrowed the window of of eligibility for sign up that window. And they drastically cut back on the advertising that window. And so the first thing that President Biden did was to reopen that window uh, of eligibility, not simply from the late fall to the early year, but now open it up for a couple more months and, and then advertise it. So there was Direct action they're taking. That's another example of increased access to to health insurance, government sponsored health insurance.
1: What do you think of this idea of lowering the Medicare age to 60 or
2: 55? Yes, I would agree with that. Medicare is so daggone complicated. Part A for a hospital, Part B for a provider, and then Part D for drugs, and then you need a supplement, or you go with Part C. And as I go through those items with the students in the class, they look at me as if I have, you know, three eyes type of thing. Uh And they think, how can granny and grandpa ever hope to understand which of the hundreds of drug plans they should sign up for? It's very confusing to savvy undergraduate students who pick up on things fairly quickly. So Medicare expansion would certainly... I think is it would be a good step. That will introduce more people to government-sponsored single-payer and find out that it's not so bad. It's too complicated right now. Another possibility would be a public option. And that runs into great opposition from the insurance industry with the fear that the nose of the camel gets under the tent. People find out that the overhead cost for a government-sponsored and insured plan is much cheaper and you don't need all the excess expense, for-profit healthcare industry. So there's always been opposition to that uh, public option. But that would be something I think that could even be more effective.
1: As we're running out of time here, I also wanna add that our our youngest took your class 10-ish years ago and said it was his favorite class in his whole IU education.
2: I remember Ari very well. He was a dedicated student, and I think he inherited a lot of of your genes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to ask him about the letter to the president. I I don't think I ever saw that. I'd like to see that.
2: Usually, we mail the letters off in early December or mid-December, and then, usually around February or March, I'll get a flurry of emails from students because they will take a picture of the letter they received back from the White House on the White House stationery.
1: Oh, wow. Uh
2: huh. to them individually on the, white, on the letter. Yeah. Uh, so it's beautiful. They're, they're very proud and very happy to have received a response from the White House. Someone's listening. <laughs> that each president, every president reads every letter, but they are excited to get a response. And it engages them in the process.
0: Our thanks to Dr. Mark Bauman. Medicare was signed into law by President Lyndon Johnson on July 30th, 1965. Medicare, 56 years old, is the model for improved and expanded Medicare for all. As Dr. Bauman asks, if we can envision a health care system that meets society's obligations to our fellow neighbors. A prescription for health care on WFHB Community Radio. Until the next time, this is Karen Greenstone and Dr. Rob Stone. To your good health, everyone.